0: Good singing this morning, and praise the Lord, what an opportunity to worship together. I so enjoy our times of singing and worship and praising the Lord, and uh, just praise God for the opportunity that He gives us to do that. All of our young people this time can be dismissed over to their class, and so they will make their way that direction. And so uh, as they had that way, find your way over to Mark chapter number 14. Mark chapter number 14 is where we're going to find our place in the Word of God this morning. So Mark chapter number 14. Amen. As we get started here this morning, let's pray and we'll ask for the Lord's help. And then we're going to dive into the Word of God together this morning into a passage of Scripture that I think is very important for each and every one of us. And uh, Lord willing, it's going to be an encouragement to us this morning. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Father, thank You for the opportunity You give us to open Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for the privilege to be able to hear from You, to hear You speak. And Lord, now as we calm our minds for just a few moments and we focus in on your word, I ask, Lord, you'd help us to hear what your word has for us. I pray, God, that you would help me to say only those things that you desire for me to say. And God, I pray that we'd be able to just lift you up and magnify your name today and everything that's done. I pray for one maybe this morning that's discouraged, maybe one that uh, is, is feeling a little dark, down, downtrodden. Father, I pray that today they would be encouraged by your word and, God, that we would be motivated to live our lives for you, thank you, God, for the opportunity you give us to open Your Word. Now, we pray all of these things in Your Son's precious name amen amen look with me if you would at mark chapter number 14 we're going to look at those first two verses in verses 27 and 28 as we start this morning the bible says this and jesus saith unto them all ye shall be offended because of me this night for it is written i will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered but after that i am risen i will go before you into galilee I've shared this story before. It's been a few years since I last shared it. And so I thought, well, we'll share it again. Why not? So sometimes the best stories are just the ones that you tell over and over again. And anyway, I, whenever I was in Bible college, um, one of my best buddies, uh, Bruce Burkett, and he was actually out here this last summer. Um, but uh, we we decided one day, we're of course there in, in Southern California, and uh, whenever we first went to Bible College they're in South, Southern California, in my mind it was supposed to be beautiful. Uh, but where we went to Bible College was in Lancaster, California, which was high desert and was nothing but... Not beautiful. Okay, it was just it just was ugly everywhere. There's lots of dirt storms and dust storms and things like that. But I remember one time in particular that it was on a Saturday afternoon. We just finished going out and knocking on some doors and things like that. And we we're trying to figure out what we we're gonna do with the rest of our day, and we looked over and in the mountains we saw snow in the mountains. And we just got this bright idea. I mean, two Indiana boys, we'd never been around mountains before, and we decided, listen, we're just going to go drive to those mountains and, and go play in the snow, right? You know, of course. I mean, what else is two college guys going to do? And so we jumped into my little 1998 Ford Ranger, and uh, we climbed inside of that thing, and we started heading, and, and, and we just started driving towards the mountains. We figured eventually we would take a road, and we'd make our way up there. And so we're, we're cruising that way, and we would driven some, I don't know, 20, 30 miles, and finally we found a road, and kind of just kind of were. Making our way that direction, and as we're going there, all of the sudden the road that we were on—you know—the houses became less and less. Uh, uh, you know, it was it was pretty sparse. They weren't really a lot there, and and uh, in fact, there was really nothing there. It was just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And as we're driving down this road, slowly but surely, it went from pavement to gravel, and all of a sudden it went from gravel to dirt. And uh, we were going down this road, and as we're going through, you're seeing all these signs. You know, rough road ahead. Uh, you know dirt road you know ahead Uh you know all, all of these pavement ends you know uh, you just knew that that uh, you, things were getting worse right and and so we made our way finally and, and we got to this point we decided we were going to take really it was just kind of a little path and thankfully we were in a small Ford Ranger otherwise that we wouldn't be able to fit and so we we took this little path going up towards the mountains and we're going up that way and by this point it's starting to just just starting to get dark and so we decided well we're not dummies We'll just stop here and, and look at the mountains from a distance. And so we were close enough you could see them, but they were still quite a ways off. And we sit and admired them for a few moments. We took a couple of pictures and then we decided we were going to just turn around and drive back. And so we turned around, we began back and, and I had a GPS in my, in my truck and, and, just like all GPSs, they never make a mistake. And and so we decided that we would just follow the GPS to where it told us to go, and so we plugged in where we wanted to go to, and, and it said, you know, just continue down this little path that we were going, and... and It wasn't the way that we had gone before, but off in the distance, you know, probably, I don't know, 10 miles away, we could see a a a small town. And so we thought, well, surely, you know, as we get closer to that, the roads will get better and things, you know, will get us where we're supposed to. And so we're following the GPS down the road that it's telling us to go. And this path is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until all of the sudden on the GPS, it just disappeared. And it disappeared on the GPS about the same time it disappeared on the road in front of me. And uh, we got to this spot and we, we realized that the road this was, we weren't going anywhere good and so we decided we were going to turn around. But the problem about it, the desert is that the d- desert is composed of sand. And so whenever we stop and we put my little Ford Ranger into reverse, all of a sudden we felt the tires just sink. And here we were out in the middle of literally nowhere, okay? Nothing around us. I mean, we're in the desert. Listen, I have watched these movies. I know what happens in the middle of the desert, okay? Uh, You die there. And so here we are in the middle of the desert, and it's getting dark out. We're trying to figure something out to get my truck out, and we are stuck. We are just, we are so stuck, we realize we ain't getting out of here. And we started to panic. We started to freak out. What are we going to do? How are we going to survive? We're going to die out here. It's going to get dark. We don't have any food. We're two, two teenage guys without food. I mean, we're, there's no, we're not going to survive through the night. You know, I mean, like this is literally what's going through our mind. I'll never forget that experience on that night being there stuck out in the middle of the deserts. Because we took a road that we shouldn't have taken. Know the passage that we have before us. Last week we discussed about Jesus and 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 how he and his disciples had had the last supper together. Really it was the first Lord's table, but it was the last Passover as they gathered there together and and as Jesus with his disciples were there and we saw that as he cast out Judas who was going to betray him and and now within 24 hours Jesus is going to be crucified on the cross and and, and he's going to be uh, going to be taken he's going be uh, beaten. He's going to be savagely uh, put to death for your sins and for my sins. And so here they just finished singing a song and now they're making their ways, the Bible tells us, to the Mount of Olives, ultimately to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as they're walking there, already somewhat heavy-minded, heavy-hearted from what they had just been through there at the Lord's table, as Jesus spoke to them, Jesus tells them about how now they are going to forsake Him. And not only are they going to forsake them, they're going to forsake Him that night. Look again at verse number 27. And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of Me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But what's amazing is He doesn't stop there. Look at verse number 28. But after that I am risen, I will go before you unto Galilee. You know, even in the midst of all that's around the corner, Jesus was still attempting to encourage his disciples. I mean, right after he looks at him and says, Listen, guys, you're all going to betray me tonight. Right after he says that, he says, But don't worry, guys, afterwards, you're all going to go with me to Galilee after I resurrect, after I rise again. But here's the thing about the disciples, and we know this the disciples always seemed to miss the second part. <laughs> they All they could do was focus on that first part. Oh, we're going to deny you. We're going to reject. What are you talking about, Jesus? We can't do this. They were so focused. They lived their lives in verse number 27 and not in verse number 28. We, we've spoken many times from this pulpit how important the verse number 28s are in the Christian life. Because if Christ didn't rise again, then we would have no opportunity for a relationship with him through salvation we like the disciples would have no hope and maybe you're here today maybe you're watching online this morning and you're stuck in verse number 27 because the bible tells us that before we get saved we all are and it's bad news because Romans 3, 10 through 12 tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understand it. There's none that seek after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all uh, together become unprofitable. There is none good, no, not one. Listen, that I'm thankful for those times that there are but God moments. Because in our life, it was not, if it was not for the but God moments, listen, we would be stuck in verse number 27. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then he rose again that third day and accomplished a victory over death. And friend, this morning, if you're living in verse number 27, you can leave today in verse number 28 and have hope. But as we see, the disciples, they were stuck in verse number 27. And there was one disciple in particular who decided to speak up. And from this point on, we, we, we see what follows is an ill-advised road that leads to a backslidden life. You see, as we come to verses 29-31, through 31, we find a royal rejection that takes place. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 29. After Jesus has just told them that He's going to be betrayed by them, offended by them, and then He's going to rise again on the third day, and then He's going to go before them to Galilee. Look at what happens in verse number 29. And Peter said unto Him, Although all should be offended, yet will not I. (laughs) Peter looks and says, Jesus, even if everybody else does what You're saying... I'm not going to do that. I mean, come on. It's it's me. I'm Peter. I mean, come on. I'm not going to reject you. I'm not going to, to, to do that. But what Peter didn't understand is when Jesus says something, when God's Word is spoken, it is final. Because look at what Jesus says in verse number 30. Jesus said unto him, and there's that word again, verily, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, truly, this is true. Amen. Listen, this you can mark it down. This is going to happen. Verily I say unto thee, that this day... Even in this night before the cock crow, twice thou shalt deny me thrice. Now this is interesting because when Jesus spoke the first time, He spoke to all of His disciples. He said, you're all going to deny me. But then Peter calls the attention to himself. Jesus, even though all of them would deny You, I would never do that. I would never be like them. I love You more than any of them. I would never deny You. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns His attention to Peter and He says, Peter, let me tell you something. Not only are you going to forsake me, but you're going to deny me not once, not twice. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. <sighs> Peter's just like us. He, he didn't like to be called out. He didn't like to be told that he was wrong, that he wasn't going to do something. He didn't like to be called on his blood, right? He didn't like that. So what does he do? Well, verse number 31, but he spoke, he spake the more vehemently, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise, likewise said all the disciples. That word vehemently, it literally it means extremely or emphatically, it's like he, he now raises his voice to Jesus and without recognizing a heart of pride, he says, I won't deny you. I don't care what you say, Jesus. I'm not going to do that. That's not who I am going to be. With great passion, with great sincerity, Peter rejected Christ's words. Do you know you can be passionate and sincere and still be wrong? The level of your conviction does not determine what is true and what is false. Just last week, I, I came home from, from work and and uh, I sat down and I'm, I'm eating, and it was a little bit later. The kids had already eaten, and it was just before they were getting ready for bed. And, and I was kind of talking with them about different things. And Jace came in, and Jace, is, as many of you know, I mean, he's just he's just soaking all kinds of things up, and he loves to learn and, and to figure things out. And so he, he's sitting, he's he's standing there, and he says, "Daddy," he said, "I learned something." He said, "You did you know that a spider web can stop an airplane?" And I said, Jace, where'd you learn that? He said, well, I was watching, and they watched this so-called Wild Kratts. And, and, and on there, for some reason, they watched the show. And, and somewhere, I don't know exactly what happened, but something about the strength of a spider web." And he told me, he said, Daddy, he said, a oh, web can stop an airplane. And I said, Jace, I don't know where you're getting your information, dude, but I don't think that's true. He said, no, Daddy, I know that a spider web can stop an airplane. I said, Jace, that's not the truth. A spider web cannot stop an airplane. He said, no, daddy, I'm telling you, a spider web can stop an airplane. I said, we're going to have to agree to disagree here, okay? I mean, we're, we're not going to land on the same place on this one. I'm telling you, that's not the truth. Listen, he was sincere. He was passionate that a spiderweb could stop an airplane. But he was sincerely and passionately wrong, okay? I mean, there was no way. It's not going to happen. We all, at one point or another, have been thoroughly convinced that a belief that we have held, or a position that we have taken was right, only to realize that we were wrong. Each week, the Bible, the Word of God is opened and and it's proclaimed. And Lord willing, each week we're led to a point of decision in our life. That's the purpose of preaching. If anybody tells you that the purpose of preaching is anything other than leading to a point of decision that allows us to be closer to Christ, they're wrong, okay? Again, uh, I'm just telling you, all right? Uh, but listen, that, that's what preaching is about. It's its taking God's Word, lifting up, magnifying Christ, and then drawing men to Christ to make a decision for Christ. That's the whole thing. And so, Lord well, each week, the Word of God is preached, and we're led to a point of decision in our life. And in that moment, we must choose whether we will submit to the Word of God or like Peter, proclaim in our hearts that I am right. You see, you may passionately believe that there are many ways to have eternal life. You may believe it with all kinds of passion, but the truth is you are passionately wrong. You may sincerely believe that you are justified in the bitterness that you are holding on to because of what someone did to you. And I can tell you right now, listen, you are sincerely wrong. You may truly believe that you have a relationship with God. But if you aren't in this book and spending time in prayer with God, you are truly wrong. You you may not like me. You may not like my stories. I hope you do. You may disagree with the way that maybe I do things or the way that I tell something. You may have a problem with, with the way somebody does something in the church. You may not like the way that Isaac stands up here and he plays the guitar. I don't know. You may not like the way the people hold the microphone a certain way. You not, may not like the way that a decoration is or something like that. But listen, friend, sometimes... You may be right about those things, but there's one area that if you reject the truth of the Word of God, I can promise you every time, you are wrong. No matter how passionately or sincerely you may hold your position, if it contradicts or conflicts with this book, you are wrong. And you can choose to humble yourself before God and admit that you are wrong, Or you can do like Peter and raise your voice a little bit louder and be a little more passionate and still be wrong. God in flesh stood before Peter and told him that he was about to deny him. And Peter passionately rejected the Lord's words. It was a royal rejection. But we can't stop here. Because the story of Peter goes on, and and there's more to it. And and as we know, what Jesus said did come to pass. As we flip ahead a little bit, we're going to jump jump forward. As you jump forward to verse number 66 in the Word of God, we find a disastrous denial that takes place. Look at verse number 66 with me. And as Peter was beneath the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. Now, Jesus here has been taken. We've we fast forwarded past the garden now, all right? Now we'll come back to it next week, but we we fast forwarded past the garden. Jesus now has been betrayed. Jesus has been taken. Jesus is being beaten. Jesus has been accused. And now Peter finds himself on the outskirts looking in. Peter now has already tried to cut off the the high priest's ear. Tried to cut off his head. Cut off his ear instead. He already tried to to make his grandstand for Jesus only to turn around and forsake God and fled with the rest of the disciples. And now... Here he is in verse number 66, and we see a painful, painful night that follows for Peter. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is here. He's warming himself by the fire, and a little maid comes by. It may have been just a teenage girl came walking by, and she recognized Peter as one of Jesus' followers. Verse number 68. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. Peter denies that first time and he made his way to that porch and all of a sudden the rooster crows for that first time. It's interesting because Mark is the only book that records for us that the the rooster crowed two times. As we've mentioned in the past, we have to remember whose perspective the book of Mark is written from. It's written from the perspective of Peter. Peter. So, Peter is giving his first hand account here. You can almost hear in his voice as he's saying this, as he recalls so vividly on this night I heard that rooster crow the first time, but I completely ignored it. I just pushed it away. I had a chance to stand for Christ, but instead I cowered in the company of this little girl. So, we come to verse 69. And they saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. Once again, she comes by and she says, Listen, I know that you are a follower of his. And Peter says, I am not. I don't know where you're getting this information from. I don't know. Your, 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 your eyes are clearly have an issue. I, I am not a follower of his. We come to the verse number seventy again. After he denied him, it a little after. That they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeth thereto. And he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. So we can tell by the way that you talk that you're not from around here. It's kind of like when somebody comes by and, you know, this summer we had the group from North Carolina. And when they came and you talked with them, you could just tell, you aren't from around here, okay? You know, the Beck family has been coming to, to church with us. And if you talk with them very long, you realize, listen, you ain't from around here, are you? You know, I mean, it's just, it's just different. I mean, there's just something about the way that they talked. It's just, listen, I can tell you're, you're, you weren't raised here, were you? There's something about it. I mean, the way that you speak, I can just tell. And that's what happened here. They looked at Jesus, or they looked at Peter and they said, the way that you talk, we can just tell you're not from here. Your speech sounds like you're from, from Galilee. And in response, Peter begins to curse and swear. But it isn't saying like we so often think that he was using vulgarity. Sometimes when we've read that, I'm sure we've all read that, and we've thought, man, he began to cuss and, and say vulgar things. No, no, no. That's not what, what this is saying here. What it is saying is it has the idea that he was making an oath. That kind of swear. He was, he was giving a, a curse or a, a vow. He was saying This, I swear, God is my witness. That's literally what it's meaning there. I don't know him. God is my witness. And then he denied God. Wow. Verse number 72. And the second time, the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Suddenly that rooster crows that second time. And Luke's gospel tells us that when it does, that Jesus' eye catches the eye of Peter. And he realizes what he's done. Just hours before, he had sworn his life to Jesus, and now he has sworn that he didn't even know Him. In mere hours, he had gone from disciple to denier, from follower to failure, from declaring his allegiance to complete and utter disaster. And in his brokenness, he finds a place where he begins to weep uncontrollably. Peter was so low that even after Christ's glorious resurrection, he declares in John 21, I go a-fishing, I quit. God's done with me. He could never use me. He was at the end of his road and he didn't know where to go. You know, we often... Give Peter a hard time. We look at Peter and we say, man, after everything that you witnessed, Peter, I can't believe that you denied Christ. I can't believe that you rejected even knowing Christ. I mean, we think about it. We're like, man, I mean, Peter was there. He was a part of the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, what a miracle to behold, to see this great multitude be fed by just a few loaves and a few fish. I mean, just a miracle. He saw the blind receive their sight. He was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, we all remember when Peter stuck his foot in his mouth and stood up whenever Jesus was having a conversation with Moses and Elisha, and and Peter decided to be involved and stood up and said, oh, I think we should build some tabernacles here. And everybody kind of looked at him like... What? We forgot you were here, Peter. And, uh, and God, had to, God the Father had to call, call out and say, uh, This is my beloved Son. I mean, just had to silence Peter. I mean, we all remember Peter. I mean, all the things that he experienced. Listen, he saw Lazarus be raised from the dead. He was there. He witnessed this. And yet, he denied and refused to stand with Christ. We all, I mean, he just, we would look at it and say, Peter, how in the world could you do that, man? I mean, I, I, can't even, I can't even imagine. But here's the truth. While Peter refused to stand following all of that, we have all of those things. Plus, we can look back on the resurrection. And yet we still refuse to stand for Christ. We're regularly given opportunities to witness for Christ. And instead, we remain silent. My senior year, I had the opportunity to, re, uh, to, to work at, at a camp there in Indiana, Hoosier Hills Baptist Camp. And While I was working at that camp, one of the, the teen weeks that we had there, there was a group that came. And uh, this group was was actually a group that I knew, and in that group was a young man by the name of Joe. Joe uh, had uh, he was a few years younger than I was, and but he played basketball, and and I and he went to my public school, and so we we kind of had a little bit of a connection there. I knew him uh, to a certain extent. He was friends with my my brother. They were closer in age, and so they were all kind of friends together. And he knew knew him, and and so I had some influence with Joe. I'll never forget that that teen week and, and, and the way that we would do things. You'd go through the week and there'd be preaching multiple times a day, but you'd come to Thursday night. Camp would end Friday morning and Thursday night they would have a campfire and everybody would get around the campfire and, and we'd sing a couple of songs and things and then they would give an opportunity for a testimony time where people could go around the campfire and the kids could could share with everyone else something that the Lord had spoken to them about that week or how they had made a decision for the Lord and, and they go around they they you know each kid would have an opportunity to do that i'll never forget when they kind of finally came around to 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 joe's cabin and joe was kind of a goofball and I, i remember they they gave him an opportunity to to stand up and speak and joe stood up and you know of course he's trying to you know make everybody laugh and saying a couple of goofy things and whatnot but finally he said this he said this week he said i got saved oh man it was just like man praise god you know joe joe got saved what a blessing. You know, what, what, a, what an encouragement. He made a profession of, of salvation. that He accepted Christ as a Savior that week. And everybody, you know, amen, 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 amen. But I'll never forget what happened next. He, I mean, here we are. I mean, there's, there's a couple hundred teenagers. I mean, I just graduated from high school. You know, I'm still cool. And I mean, like, they, they you know, we're all standing there. And I'll never forget. Joe speaks up, and he says, you know. He said, the thing that I wonder, though. He said, Kyle's known me for all these years. And he said, I just don't understand why you never told me about this before. Man, you talk about wanting to shrink into a little hole somewhere, like go find someplace by myself. Like And I remember that, I mean, like, and I'm like, come on, Joe. Just never the, the opportunity never came up. Come on. You know, that's what I wanted to do. You know, of course, I'm, I'm the counselor of all the kids. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, Joe, sure. You know, and, but I mean, I remember, I mean, like, it, it hit me. It struck me. All those years, why did you never tell me how to be saved? You know, the truth is in our life, I think for most of us, there's a lot of Joes. People that we know that one day they will stand before God and He will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And I can't help but wonder as they pass through if they won't say, all those years, Why didn't you tell me? For most of us, it's the fear of man. We're afraid. How are they going to respond? What are they going to say? What if they say no? What if they, I mean, what what, what about, and it's, honestly, it's really about us. What are they going to think of me? And so we don't share the gospel. And we sit in silence. And by virtue, we deny Christ. Because we refuse to tell others about Him. How many Joes are in your life that you haven't taken the opportunity to share the gospel with them? Peter denied Christ three times. But before we can be too hard on Peter, we have to examine our own lives because the truth is all of us could do a better job of standing for Jesus. Matthew 5.14 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill, it cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel and... But put it on a candlestick; it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, we are supposed to be shining our light to everyone we come into contact with. And yet so many times we, like Peter, hide our light because the fear of man bringeth the snare. And we are afraid of what somebody is going to think of us. And one day they will stand before God. And when He condemns them to an eternity in a lake of fire, they will pass by and they will say, All those years, and you never told me. Oh, friend, let's wake up. Let's stop giving Peter such a hard time. Let's examine our own life. See, there was a royal rejection that led to a disastrous denial. But ultimately, ultimately, listen, we got good news. It reached a generous grace. A generous grace. If you have your Bible, you can flip over to Mark chapter number 16. Jesus has now been crucified. He is risen again. And we come to Mark chapter number 16. Peter has denied at the end of chapter number 14. And after Peter denies at the end of chapter number 14, Peter's name is only mentioned one more time in the book of Mark. Interesting. Because again, it's written from the perspective of Peter. The only other time that it's mentioned is in Mark 16, verse number 7. After Christ is resurrected, Mary and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the, 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 the mother of Jonas, they come to the, to the grave site, and as they get there, all of a sudden they see that angel, and we have that wonderful news, He is not here, for He is risen. I mean, praise God, what great news. But then He says something in verse number 7 go your way tell his disciples and peter that he goeth before you into galilee and there shall ye see him as he said unto you now it's amazing because that's the only place that we have that where he calls out and peter i can't help but wonder if peter didn't right there and as he's reflecting back now, some years later, and he's reflecting back and he says, Mark, I want you to know something. Even after I rejected him, even after I denied him, even after everything happened, even after I had, I, I, I mean, I was in the lowest low and I was ready to quit and I wanted to throw in the towel, even after everything, Jesus still said, I want to use you. Go get my disciples. Oh, and Peter, because I know Peter, thinks I'm done with him. Peter thinks I can't do anything with him. Peter, uh, he, he thinks that, that his life and service is over for me. And he said, listen, go get Peter, because I still got a purpose for him. In John chapter number 21, after Peter had said, I go a-fishing. And the disciples that, that were there went with them, he ended up on that boat where they fished all night long and they caught nothing. And that next morning, there they are out. And as the sun begins to rise, they look over and on the shore, they see somebody standing there. And they don't recognize who it is. And all of a sudden, a voice cries out and said, Have you caught anything? No, we've toiled all night long. We've we've taken nothing. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. Man, this sounds familiar take that net and they throw it in on that right side and all of a sudden it encloses such a multitude of fishes 153 of them they they have to bring another boat over so they don't sink so they can get it to shore and all of the sudden, in john 21 john refers i love the book of john john anytime you refer to himself he always referred to himself as the disciple that jesus loved i just i love that john's the disciple that jesus loved he says to peter Over there on the shore? That's the Lord. Lord. (laughs) Oh man, Peter grabs his fisher's coat. He jumps in the water. And I can almost see it. I mean, Peter. I mean, like overcome with emotion at that moment, I believe. I mean, just, oh. He does still love me. He does still care for me. And he jumps into that water. And he begins to swim to the shore. And as he's swimming, with each stroke, all of a sudden it starts to come back. Wait a second. You said you wouldn't deny him. You said you wouldn't reject him. You said that you'd give your life for him. And look at what you did, Peter. Peter, you, you denied him not once. You denied him three times. That that your crowed two times. And you still chose to deny him, Peter. And I, I kind of think that all of a sudden the swim kind of slows. He starts to think, man, he'll never use me. He's here for the other guys. And I quit on him. He's done with me. He gets over to the shore, and as he gets there, he sees that Jesus already has a fire burning, and on it he already has fish cooking. I mean, just amazing. I, I, listen, that's one meal I wish I could have been a part of. Like, I, I'm telling you, if there, there's been, I, I have no doubt that there's some good pe- there's some people that can cook some good fish in this room. I, I think Ken and Tina made some fish, maybe even for today. I'm looking forward to it. I've had some good fish, but I have a feeling that had to be the best tasting fish that was ever cooked. I mean, Jesus made it; he knew how to season it just right. All right, and I mean, he's cooking. This fish, all the disciples, they, they get up there and they, they're all kind of sitting around there and they begin to eat of that food that's there. And as they're as they're eating, all of a sudden, Jesus just once again he calls out Peter. He says, Peter, you like to be center, you like to be the center of attention. You like to be called out. And he looks at him and he says, Hey Peter, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? He can never use me. And I denied him three times. Peter, do you love me? And the first time he said something interesting, and and there's much debate. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, it's, it's interesting. there's lots of debate about what the these were. Well, you know, when he said that, did he point to the fish? Peter, do you love me more than these fish? The profession of fishing. I mean, it's very possible that that's what he was talking about. Do you love me? Do you love me? I mean, you said you're going to fishing, Peter. You're going back to, the, to your ways before you knew me. Peter, do you really love me more than you love fishing? That may have been what it was. Maybe he was looking and saying, Peter, do you love me more than, than you love the disciples, your friends? I mean, you, you took them all with you. Peter, who do you love more? Do you like your friends? Or do you love me? Very possible that that's what he was talking, talking about. But, but I heard a preacher say one time, and I, I tend to lean towards this. He said in this, there's an understood you. What he was saying here is, Peter, do you love me more than these love me? And here's why I believe that's what he was saying. Because on that night, Peter said, even if all of them reject you, I won't. Jesus said, Peter, do you really love me more than them? Do you really love me more than they do? You said you did. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. They take a couple more bites and the Lord says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, Lord. A couple more bites later. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. You know I do. Now listen, we've talked about this before, but Jesus was not having an identity crisis here. He was not struggling with anxiety like we are going through in our book on, on Sunday morning that we've been walking through. It wasn't like all of a sudden Jesus is sitting there going, man, I really hope Peter actually loves me. I'm really struggling right now. I, I need some some self-affirmation here that Peter Peter actually loves me. Yeah, listen, we we all understand Jesus wasn't doing this so that he could feel better about himself. Jesus doesn't ask questions so that he can get an answer that he doesn't already know. Jesus asks questions so that we can answer them for ourselves. Peter, do you love me? Oh, I denied him three times. Yeah, I I love you, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Oh, I mean, yeah, but I, I denied him three times. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I do. And then he said, Peter, I got a purpose for you. I'm not done with you. I still want to use your life. Two chapters later, in the Word of God, we come to Acts chapter number two. And in Acts chapter number two, it's the day of Pentecost. The rushing mighty wind happens there in that upstairs room, and all of a sudden... Peter stands up and he begins to preach. And on that day, 3,000 people accept Christ as their Savior. Peter, I'm not done with you. Maybe you have found yourself somewhere along the, Ill, the ill-advised road of Peter's story. Maybe you're on the road of the royal rejection, and you're refusing to submit to God's Word. You're passionate in your positions. You're passionate in your beliefs. But with God's Word is spoken, there's just part of you that says, I'm not going to give in to that. I can't give that part of me. I can't submit to that. I, I just can't. And there's a royal refusal and a royal rejection of God's Word and with the teachings of God's Word. And maybe today you recognize that I need to put that aside and I need to submit humbly before the Lord. Maybe you have experienced that disastrous denial in your life. You've refused to stand for Christ. Your silence is akin to denial. Maybe you aren't just not standing for Christ. You flat out run away from Him. Maybe you're wondering... How you even made it into church today. After all you've done and where you've been. And you're far from where you ought to be. And you know it. I've got great news for you. He's not done with you. Just like Peter. Just like he did for Peter. He can take your life from a disaster to a disciple and to declaring the gospel and doing something that is absolutely. Then we're still talking about some 2,000 years later about that day at Pentecost when 3,000 were saved for Christ. Hey, can I remind you at the end of Peter's life, you know what happened? They said, Are you a follower of Christ? And you know what he said? Yes. Yes. Because God is a God of second chances. And James 4, verse number 8 tells us, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. It doesn't matter if you're Peter in the middle of chapter number 14, if you're Peter at the end of chapter number 14, if you're Peter in John chapter number 21. If you will humble yourself to God and come to Jesus, and, and just i mean, just humbly come to Him and repent of the life that maybe you've been going down and the path that you've been walking towards. If you will do that... He can take your life and make it into something of the Peter of Acts chapter number 2. You see, being backslidden by definition means if there has ever been a time in your life that you were closer to God than you are right now, then by definition you have backslidden. On that night, all those years ago back in California, we were stuck out there in my truck, and we were panicking like any manly teen- teenage boys would, and so we called the only people that we knew could help us, 911. <laughs> this was back before we had internet phones. We couldn't look up a, a, a tire shop or a, a tow truck or anything. We didn't know what to do, so we called 911, and 911, uh, we called, what's your emergency? We're stuck in the desert in our truck. Um, we drove out here and we can't get out. You should call a tow company. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a number for a tow company. Can you give us a number for a tow company? Well, where are you at? We we don't know. We have no idea. <laughs> they gave us a number for a tow company. We called the tow company. Well, where are you at? Well. I can describe scenery for you. (laughs) Over here, there's nothing, and there's nothing, and there's more than nothing, but we see a town far off this direction, and there's some mountains behind us. They're really pretty. And, uh, you know, I mean, and uh, and we said, I can give you our GPS coordinates. Okay. So we gave that to him. He said, all right. He said, it looks like you're in the middle of nowhere. I said, yeah. (laughs) Never forget, it got dark. Me and Bruce were out there, and we're like, we're going to die out here. I mean, it's been like at least six hours since we've had a meal. I mean, we just we were terrified, and I mean, we're out here, and I'll never forget that truck driver calling us back, and I don't know where you're at. I can't find you. Can you? Can you see me? And we're like, no, we can't see anything. He said, "Listen," he said, "I'm going to raise my truck bed up." And he said, "If you if you see it, I want you to to tell me." And I. He he lifted that truck bed. I mean, that truck bed just up 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 up. All of a sudden, we're standing there, and about a mile away, we see a light. Hey, we see you. We 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 see where you're at. We 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 we're gonna live. You know. I mean, oh, there you are. And. And so we grabbed, I mean we we left pretty much everything in the truck, and we just we just started walking through the desert to the light, where the light was, where the truck was, and, and I'll never I mean, just the oh, when we finally made it to the truck. And ultimately they came and and it was a little bit more of a chaotic night, but we finally got my truck out. We finally listen, we lived, okay? The end of the story. I know you're surprised by that, but we we survived that night. We we saw the light, we made our way to the truck, and, and we got out. And friend, can I tell you tonight, maybe you are just, you're just sitting there in your life and it's like, oh. And this morning, maybe you just see that light. Can I encourage you? Jump out of the boat and swim to Jesus. Swim through your doubts and your insecurities of your past and find your way to Jesus. Find your way through that desert to the light of Jesus. That last supper, listen friend, it wasn't the last meal that Jesus had with His disciples. You see, there was fish cooking on the fire. And He was calling out to Peter, Come and dine. I still have a purpose for you. Isaiah chapter number 1, verse number 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Romans chapter number 5, verse number 20 says, Moreover the law entered that that offense might abound, but where sin abounds, Grace did much more, much more abound. And friend, every single one of you, Jesus has more for you. And it's time that we get thoroughly right with Him. So you can see the miracles that He wants to do in your life. Can you imagine Peter on that day at Pentecost as he stood there and he preached? You know it was going through his mind. Oh, I thought he was done with me. And look at what he's letting me do. Friend, this morning, God wants to use your life. There's some Joes in your life that he wants you to reach. But as long as we stand before God and say, "Ah, I this, I that. We'll never see Him work how He wants to. We have to humbly come to Christ. And when we do, He will use your life beyond what you could ask or think. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. As we have this time of... Really just communing with the Lord and, and allowing the Lord to speak to our hearts. And, and I hope He's been speaking to you throughout the service. That's, that's the way that it should be. As the Word of God is preached all the way through, I hope the Holy Spirit was just pointing out things in your life and pointing to little, little areas that we need to deal with, we need to get right. Maybe as the message was preached this morning, there were some areas that were pointed to. And you said, man, I need to deal with that. I need to change that in my life. Maybe you've went down that path of the royal reza- rejection. Maybe you've your life's a disaster. But I can promise you, there is an incredible amount of grace waiting for you at the feet of Jesus. And I'd challenge each and every one of us: ask the Lord to examine your heart, and if you aren't closer to God right now than you've ever been. I hope that you'll spend time with the Lord so you can walk out of this place closer to Him than what you've ever been. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, let's stand together as the music is going to play. Father, bless this time now of invitation. I pray, God, that you'd move in our midst as only you can. Thank you for your grace, and I pray that it'd be abundant to all those here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music